Hello, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of Everyday Saturdays. I'm your host, as always, Preston. I hope you're all having a great New Year's. If you're a Michigan and Washington fan, you probably had a great New Year's Day. But if you're Alabama and Texas, you probably didn't. And that's okay. You know, it happens to the best of us. Speaking of those games, it's currently January 3rd, so they happened not too long ago. But we're going to get into them, break them down a little bit, and we're going to move on to the National Championship game. So we'll start with the Rose Bowl, which was the 5 p.m. game, I believe. Alabama, Michigan. And I will be one of the people that admit I thought Alabama was going to blow out Michigan. I really did think that. But hey, I was wrong. That happens sometimes. I was really impressed by the way Michigan showed up and the way they played, to say the least. Man, but Alabama, especially their offensive line, just didn't didn't want to be there, it looked like. You know, the offensive line just was struggling. It looked like they didn't know what was going on. It looks like they weren't very physical. And we knew this Michigan defense was good. We knew that. We knew that all season. But allowing four to five sacks, I think, in the first half, not even the whole game, just the first half alone. It's it's bad, and that's obvious. You know, you can't you can't allow four or five sacks in the first half and then expect to win a game. You're never going to do that. And that's what Alabama did. And the Alabama offense was just boring. It was flat-footed. It was just, it felt like I was watching the same three plays just over and over and over and over. And usually with this Alabama team under Nick Saban, the offense is electric, right? They run, they pass, they scramble, they they put up points. So, um, really uncharacteristic game for Alabama. And that starts with, you know, the play calling. That starts with the offense coordinator. But, you know, Nick Saban is the head coach at the end of the day. And those plays that were called obviously go through Nick Saban's headset. So can we put can we, can we can we put all the blame on just the offensive play caller? No, it, it it goes all around. It goes to the offensive line coach, especially him. It goes to Nick Saban. It goes to whoever's on that offensive little group of coaching, including the head coach, as always, and. It, it somewhat goes to the players, obviously. You know, the players have to go out and execute, which is a big part of the game. But the key to the game was that Michigan won the box. They they ran the ball better than Alabama, I would say. They won the defensive box for sure. And I think they not only outplayed, but obviously outphysical at Alabama and in college football. That's the key to winning. If you win the box in college football, I would say, or really any football, nine times out of ten, you're going to win the game. You have to win the box. The box is the most important part of a football game. And Michigan won that box. Not only won, manhandled the box. It wasn't even close. And Michigan obviously didn't play a perfect game, nor did Alabama in any fashion. Michigan the special teams was god-awful. And 
the defense and offense had their moments. You know, J.J. McCarthy throwing a pick, a pick on the first play, which was ruled out of bounds, but it was it was a bad play. But I on the last play, right? Alabama, you're down by seven. You have a spot in the national championship here. And you're fourth and goal from the three. Your quarterback is Jalen Milrow, who I wouldn't say has the talent of Lamar Jackson, but has a similar play style. And what else? Michigan has been dominating your offensive line all night. And the interior has not been working. You have not been able to run the ball up the middle very well. You've had your runs here and there, but most of them are outside runs. So, you you leave Jalen Milrow in this pocket, right? And Michigan, this overtime, has nothing to lose, obviously. You know, fourth and goal. If you score, whatever, we go to a second overtime. They have nothing to lose. So, they're sending 40 linemen, and I believe they sent their two middle linebackers. So, there's six people coming. Let me remind you one more time that Alabama's offensive line cannot handle that. You keep Jalen Moreau in the pocket, which is mistake number one. You you can't leave Jalen Moreau in the pocket in this situation. Mistake number two, you don't give him an option, right? It was put your head down and go score. There was no, you know, we're going to give you the option to run or pass. Or we're going to get you outside the pocket. There was none of that. It was put your head down go right up the middle which hasn't worked all day. And I don't even think they got a yard on the play. But it was just, how do you call that in that situation? And back to what I said, that goes through the offensive coordinator. That goes through Nick Saban. Everybody. Everybody's here to blame. Okay? But we switch over to Michigan. And Michigan played a clean game. They didn't turn the ball over. At least I don't think they did. Maybe they did once. I think they had, like, a muffed punt. But, you know, clean game. Other than special teams. And they made plays when they had to. And that was that. They, when when things got tough, you know what they did? They ran the ball. And teams that could run the ball, especially when it's a tight game and you're playing a tough Alabama team who's well coached. And you can, you know, sit back and trust that run. It makes the coach's life and Jim Harbaugh, the offense coordinator, and offensive line coach, and everybody 10 times easier. And it worked. Blake Horn goes down, scores like three plays. But now you're up by seven in the college football playoff game. And now you've got to send out your defense, who's been balling all game long against this Alabama offense. Like, <laughs> Alabama just, they didn't run the ball well. They didn't you know, give Jalen Monroe much options. They didn't get creative. They didn't take any big shots. And they played very flat-footed. They played scared almost, I would say. And that led to them losing. But enough of the Alabama-Michigan game. We're going to move on to the second game, which I'm going to complain here. Started on the East Coast at 9 p.m. The game got over. At past 1 a.m. So as a guy who lives on the East Coast, 
can we not move the games up an hour, an hour and a half? You know, I love college football. But do I love college football that I want to stay up to 1.30 to watch a game? Not really. And the excuse is, well, people got to get home and people got to get off work. But it's New Year's Day, okay? If, if you work on New Year's Day, I'm sorry. But people who didn't watch the game weren't going to watch the game most likely anyways. So maybe, hey, we move that Rose Bowl up to about 3.30. We get that Sugar Bowl going, you know, 7.30, 7.45. You know, just if you don't live on the East Coast, it's probably fine. But for a guy who lives on the East Coast, not very fun. But let's get off the topic of time zones and let's move on to the actual game. Michael Penix Jr., obviously a baller. And we'll 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 get to Michael Penix Jr. a little bit later here. But he made he made a lot of plays. Texas made a lot of plays. It was a great game for both sides. Not on the defensive side of the ball, but for the offensive side of the ball for Texas and Washington. It was a great game. It was fun. It came down to the final play, which you know, sometimes we don't always get two great playoff games. A lot of times we actually don't get great playoff games. We've seen, you know, a lot of 20, 30, 40 plus point wins. So to get two good playoff games the last two years, it's saying a lot. So, but Washington beats Texas, I believe 37 31 on a last play. Kind of Hail Mary, kind of not. By Texas, I get swatted out of bounds. You know? And this was kind of the complete opposite of the Alabama-Michigan game. It was high throttle. We're going to throw the ball. The game lasted probably 40, 50 minutes longer. Both teams put up points, which we expected. We expected that. And... Both quarterbacks, who are great quarterbacks, really balled out. But the thing with Michael Penning Jr., he's 24 years old. 24. That is ridiculous for a college age. And getting to a point where, you know, the COVID year people, they're kind of all gone. So those people that have been in college, you know, five, six years, you know, because of that COVID year that didn't count. They're going to all leave, which is fine. But do we really need, you know, 24-year-olds going up against these 18, 19-year-olds? You know, maybe you have, obviously you have your freshman through senior year. Maybe we give them one extra year, either if they transfer or they redshirt. But do we need people in college football for six, seven years? I really don't think so. But... MPJ is a great talent. I can't deny that. He's going to go in the draft. And I'm excited to see how he plays in the NFL. So, between these two teams, Michigan and Washington, who both won their playoff games, it creates this national championship with Michigan, who I believe hasn't won a real championship in 70-plus years. You might want to double-check me on that one, but I believe that's the number. And then you have Washington, who I believe has never won it, ever. So, obviously, both teams are looking for, like, a big win. And we see a high-throttle, fast-paced Washington team who loves to get behind Michael Penix Jr. 
who loves to throw the ball downfield. And we see this Michigan team who wants to slow down the game, loves to run the ball. They want to take down the clock. They want to get their defense out on the field. They're okay beating you 21-7. They're okay beating you 24-14. And they're they're gonna just going to go out there. They're going to be physical. They're going to play hard. And whoever wins, wins. And on the complete polar opposite side, we have Michael Penix Jr. in Washington who are going to throw the ball downfield. They're going to make big plays. And they're going to put up 35-42 points, I think. But the key to the game is going to come, I think, on Washington's defense. If Washington's defense can hold Michigan under 31, I think 31's the magic number for the national championship. And we'll get in later this week as the game comes closer. And we'll actually dig into this game and break it down a little bit more. But if Washington's defense can hold Michigan under 31, I think they win. Because Michigan, I think, isn't going to let Washington go score 60. I don't see that happening. I think Washington scores 31. I think Michigan... I don't know. I don't know if they can score 31. They've played tough defenses all year. But against those tough defenses, they haven't scored more than 30. Which is what I believe they scored against Ohio State. They scored 27, obviously, the other night. They scored, what, 20... How much did they score against Penn State? It wasn't more than 30. We'll say that. I know that. So, in Iowa, what, they scored 26? So, three, I consider, solid to elite defenses. And they don't score 30. And I don't think Washington is at that level. But because the way Washington's going to have the ball in their hands, I I don't see Michigan, you know, putting up a crazy amount of points because that's just not the game they play. Nor is it the game Washington's going to play with them. I think Washington controls the ball longer than Michigan. And Michigan's going to have to obviously get MPJ and Washington off the field a couple times. Which watching that Texas game is really hard to do. He's very good at improvising and escaping the pocket and making these throws downfield when he's, you know, going out of bounds or whatever it is. And that goes to the offensive line, too. Both teams have a really solid offensive line, which is going to be really fun to see who wins the box, which obviously is going to be the number one key to this game, if you haven't realized, winning the box. So we'll see both teams clash at the line of scrimmage. If Michigan doesn't get pressure on Michael Penix Jr., doesn't make them throw bad throws, you know, doesn't sack them a couple times, they can, they can definitely be in some trouble. But if Washington can't get on the field, you know, Michigan slows down the pace, MPJ doesn't have the ball in his hands, Washington's going to be in for a tough time. And like I said, we'll get into this later this week. We'll really dig into this game, break it down. I'll give you my thoughts, and we'll, we'll come up with a final score eventually on who I think will win and by how much. But for now, we'll stick with that 31 magic number. That may change, it may not. But the final year of the four-team playoff is almost complete. The 2023 season is done, basically. And we're on to the 2024 season, which will introduce the new 12-team playoff, which, to say the least, I am not a fan of. I'm not a fan of the 12-team playoff whatsoever. I like four. 
I'm really good with eight. I think eight's the perfect number. It's in between both. I think I, th- I just think twelve's too many. Because nowadays you watch this fourteen playoff, you have to win to get in. So those conference games and those small rivalry games that you know the the, the Michigan Penn States, for example, and the Florida Georgia, they mean more. And because both those both you know both those teams know that they have to win this game to get to where they want to be. But introducing this 12D playoff, they don't have to do that anymore. We can go 10 and 2, Mr. Conference Championship. And guess what? We still have a chance at the national championship game. And I don't like that. I like eight because it still keeps that competitiveness, but it allows, you know, some teams that maybe usually wouldn't get in to, to at least have a chance. And that gets rid of the argument. We saw this here with the whole Alabama Florida State incident. And I, I am a strong believer that the playoff committee got it right with putting Alabama in. And the way I look at it is they're close enough record. So if they play tomorrow, you know, who would win? And especially with Florida State and not having their star QB, which got them there in the first place, I think Alabama wins that game. Therefore, Alabama gets put in. That's how I look at it. And it may not be the best way to look at it, but that is how I look at it. So that will eliminate kind of that that 18 playoff will allow, you know, the 12 and 1, you know, the 11 and 2, 11 and 1, whatever it is, teams to have a shot at least. So it, it gets rid of this kind of, oh, we should be in, we should be out. It's Cincinnati ruined that in the first place. The fact that they put Cincinnati in that one year, I believe it was 2020. It was a bit 2020 season, 2021 playoffs, where. Cincinnati was, and I guess Alabama, you you can't do that. Like, I guess Cincinnati was undefeated, right for them. But, I mean, Alabama went out there with a simple game plan, didn't do anything special, and laid a pretty bad beat down. Cincinnati basically got a bye week. And we saw that. That kind of kicked in with Florida State here. Like, hey, we don't think Florida State's the best teams. We're going to leave them out, which is totally fair. I don't care what you say. It's totally fair that that happened. Florida State looked really, really bad the last two or three weeks. So, you know, it is what it is. And also Alabama was right enough that Georgia win, which the playoff committee, obviously, it it blew it up. If Alabama doesn't win that game, obviously Florida State gets in. But them beating the number one Georgia team really, really put Alabama over the hill. But other than that, it's really all I got. You know, I hope you guys enjoyed this first episode. I'm your host, Preston. As always, follow me on social medias on Instagram, college.sportscoverage. If you want everyday, not only college football, but college basketball news, okay? I'm not I'm not the big, the best guy for college basketball, I'll say that. But I do post sports updates, scores, whatever it is. So if you want everyday of those news, updates, scores, follow me on Instagram. That is college.sportscoverage. I hope you all had a great New Year's, and I'll see you next episode. Have a great day.